Welcome to the Optimize Your Capacity podcast. Our goal is to help individuals as well as health and fitness professionals enhance their capacity and reach their untapped potential. We aim to have the listener leave with practical advice they can apply today. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Uh, back for another podcast here. We get to sit down with Sean Wells, who's uh, owner of Oregon CrossFit in Bend, Oregon. I've got to know Sean just through my time in Bend and uh, kind of excited to share this information with you today. I think we had a really good conversation. Uh, Sean's background is he's been coaching and training for over a decade. He's owned his own gym now, gosh, for nearly a decade as well, but uh, he's basically got every certification underneath the sun for CrossFit coaching, but he's also got this really cool blend with sports performance coaching as well, and I think what you'll learn in this discussion is just like his passion for coaching as well as his passion for helping his clients. Um, you know, we sit down and talk about programming, how to build a program for a weight loss client versus a, a sports performance client. We talk about some common deficits we see, such as posterior chain issues. We talk about isolation versus functional training. A lot of good discussions and a lot of good kind of step backs and aha moments. So I think you'll really enjoy it. Uh, yeah, if you haven't checked him out at the end, you'll kind of hear his email and everything. But again, give it a listen. hope you enjoy and uh, more good content to come. All right, sweet. Sean, thanks for uh, taking the time to sit down and chat. Uh, kind of excited to hear your philosophies on CrossFit and programming. We'll talk about some specifics as well. Uh, at least from my experience, I feel like the, the rep from CrossFit has really changed a lot lately where at least back in the day or even, I don't know, five to ten years ago, it was all about just go hard as you can every day and burnout and injuries were common, but I feel like that's changed a lot lately and I kind of want to hear your opinion on programming that that reputation, which I think is false on CrossFit. But with, before we get into all that stuff, um, give us a little background on who you are, where you're at, how you got to where you're at, and all that stuff. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me. So um, I've been doing CrossFit in um, basically since like 2006. Um, I, I did my first workout, got introduced to CrossFit kind of at a global gym. In 2006, had the, the typical type experience where, um, hey, do this workout. You look like you're in shape. Uh, do, do this thing. And uh, and so we did Cindy. My brother and I were home for um, college on Christmas uh, Christmas break. And he played college football. And uh, we were working out. And these guys uh, at this global gym said, hey, you should do this workout. We ended up doing Cindy, um, which yeah. is five pull-ups, ten push-ups. 15 air squats for 20 minutes and you do max reps or max rounds in, in uh, the 20 minute period. And, uh, I ended up getting like 14 or 16 rounds. Uh, I think my brother got like eight. He wasn't as good as strict pull-ups. Yeah. And that was our like introduction to introduction to CrossFit, which was just like at a global gym and, uh, and get it. And it, I mean, it was, it was terrible afterwards. Like I was, I was wrecked, like super wrecked. And, you know, I, I worked out five or six days a week in college, did all this kind of stuff. My brother was playing college football at the time, but um, it was, it was kind of like the, the normal kind of like what you explained introduction across it, which is not really uh, the best way to get introduced to it. And it's kind of like, hey, we can we can screw you up <laughs> and uh, you're in shape, but you're going to get screwed up. And uh, and here you go. So that was 2006. And then fast forward. Um, 2009, I started training at a CrossFit facility, and then uh, late 2009, 2010, I started coaching at the CrossFit facility, and then I ended up buying into the facility, and then I had two partners, and I bought both of them out, and now uh, now it's me in 2020. So yeah, yeah, it's, uh, 11 years now uh, the gym's been open. So awesome. Yeah. What a just total sidebar here. Yeah. Uh, what are your experience doing CrossFit for more of the, the sports performance side of things for, I don't know, I was just thinking about your brother, like would getting him on CrossFit have helped his football performance? Yeah. So, I mean, I actually trained my brother um, when he was home. So like I, I have, 
always kind of had an interest in training people. Um, and so I trained, I, I worked with uh, some guys that were fighting at the time in college and I, I trained them um, and kind of helped them train. It wasn't like super organized because I was in college and, you know, they, they weren't super organized either. But, you know, like once or twice a week I would train with these guys and then I trained um, with some of the guys that played football at the college uh, that I went to. And we worked out together and I was like big into programming then, trying to research stuff. And then I, I worked with my brother and, and basically it was, I got him pretty much at the end of his college football career and, and in college he tore both his ACLs. So uh, each knee he blew up. Yeah. Um, and I mean, by the time, like a year and a half or two years after he was in grad school and I was programming for him and he was stronger than he ever had been, <laughs> ever <laughs> been in college at a lighter body weight. Like, I mean, he was like, dude, I don't know why I didn't do this. And, you yeah. know, we had this whole uh, conversation. And, and, and so that was kind of like the first athlete that I was like, yeah, this, this can work, um, you know, in a certain approach. And, uh, I mean, I've trained – primarily now all I train is, is athletes. Yeah. I mean, I don't coach anybody. Um, one, you know, like I don't, I don't coach a whole lot of, uh, CrossFit classes anymore. I, I coach people through OC sports performance and stuff. And, uh, yeah. and we'll, we'll talk about like kind of like programming yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much all I do now, um, is, is focus on, on athletes, uh, just because, uh, it, I like seeing results and I, I like saving them kind of um, the mistakes that, that I made as an athlete, the mistakes my brother made as an athlete, the mistakes I see a lot of athletes make, which is they get really terrible coaching um, for the weight room um, because they get coaches that are said, Hey, this worked for me when I was in college. Yeah. And, and they have no science behind it. They have no understanding of actually what is going on. Um, and, you do a bunch of stupid shit and <laughs> stupid shit gets <laughs> so, you hurt. Exactly. But I mean, I think if you boil it down, like if you go to, I don't know, university of Alabama and you go to their strength and conditioning program and their programming, there's a lot of carryover to like a traditional, or I guess a well-run CrossFit workout as well of Olympic lifts and body weight things. I mean, it's really, there's a lot of carryover and crossover. They're not two separate entities, which a lot of people think they are where you're just doing kipping pull-ups all the time at CrossFit. There's yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. So, I, yeah. I think there's a lot more carryover than, than, than people want to believe. And I think if you research and, and do CrossFit organized and, and you, and you, you kind of can learn how to do stuff, it's not super separate from, the best strength conditioning programs in the world. And, uh, I mean, university of Alabama wins a lot of college football games. Yeah. So probably doing something right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So let's start breaking down some of this programming. So if, uh, whatever you have an athlete in front of you and you maybe you run through some sort of battery of intake things and you're starting to build their programming, what are like your pillars? Like what are your, I don't know, three or four things that you're making sure each workout hits and, I know that's a general question, but maybe we could come up with like a specific example if it helps, but it'd be interested to see like where your mind starts building a workout or a program for a week or a day. Yeah. So like basically what I, I try to do is like, if I have somebody that's brand new, I, I treat everybody brand new and we, we intake at, at my gym, we intake everybody like 90% through personal training first. And we go through, uh, kind of like what we see is like the pillars, which is, Hey, I need to get, I need to get them to understand that the backside of their bodies is going to be their primary mover, their hamstrings, their glutes and their low back are going to be the three week links. And, and so we do that. And so like, if I'm one-on-one -on -one training somebody, I tell them that they're probably going to do that for six weeks. Like, especially I, I have a couple guys that I've trained that for two or three years, I started out uh, with six weeks of one-on-one -on -one programming and we just worked on, we drug sled. So, uh, uh, you know, just a steel, a steel slab with a post on it. You put the weights yeah. on it, you hook it to a belt and you, you drag it. Yeah. And, and we, we drug a lot of sled and we worked on just fundamental, uh, movements that 
would help them develop strength. So we, we box squatted and, and sumo deadlifted and, and variations. And then we taught them how to bench press and, uh, and for people that want to do presses overhead, then we taught them how to strict press. And that's yeah. kind of like the fundamental things that I need to get somebody to be able to do. And, and how you do that is going to be different athlete to athlete, background to background and age, age of the athlete, um, wear and tear mileage. And it's going to differ too from a high school, yeah. high school kid or middle school kid to college to 30, 40, 50 years old. Cause I mean, the stress levels are all different. So do you uh, struggle with the buy-in like, Hey, this person's chomping at the bit to work out and you're like, Hey, we got, whatever, four to six weeks of just laying this foundation. How do you get the buy-in on those people? I mean, I tell people that the training that we're doing, if you're a good fit for my gym, you are going to look at your physical fitness as a lifetime journey, like a marathon and not as a sprint. I don't really, I, I tell people all the time, I don't give a shit what you do in the next six weeks. Like if we're worried about six weeks, I don't have enough time with you. <laughs> and you have, you have, uh, unfair expectations of what you can actually do unless you're this super stud athlete. Um, and even then, I mean, I get them and I'm like, dude, like, I don't know how you achieve so much <laughs> yeah. with, with really terrible training or really terrible body mechanics or whatever. So I just tell people, if you look at it long-term, like what six weeks to buy in to lay a foundation that gives you you know, 20 or 30 years or 40 years of training. And, and at this point I've got people I've trained for 11 years now. Yeah. And, awesome. and so, I mean, if they're still making gains, they're still progressing, they're still able to do physically what they want to do. Then the, the buy-in period is, is there. And I think yeah. when you can point to athletes and say, Hey, this is Johnny and Johnny's been training here for 11 years. Now Johnny still sets PRs. Uh, personal records. He's still doing what he wants to do. He's not got injured. Then I think you get a little bit more buy-in than if if you're a brand new coach, and, you know, you know, yeah. doesn't have a background of of success. So, so okay. So we've laid down. Let's we'll kind of keep going through this. So we lay down the foundation. We've got these pillars done. How do you then? Let's just say you lay out a week of training. Like how many days are you going hard? Like Metcon status. How many days is maybe more of a recovery versus maybe more of a like a powerlifting stability day? How do you maybe lay out like a week of training for an athlete? So I follow. I'm a big believer in the conjugate system. So we do. I mean, that, that's how I program my my CrossFit. That's how I yeah. program my sports performance. And, and I mean, the, the conjugate system is for those that don't know. It kind of came from uh, late 1960s, early 1970s. Uh, a Russian weightlifting club. So it's the Soviet Union at this time called the Dynamo Club. And they started rotating max effort lifts. So uh, uh, at the time, you know, you got like back squat, front squat, yeah. um, and, and variations, pulls, snatches, cleans, because it's weightlifting. And, and then you have a max effort um, for upper body. So, you know, for weightlifting, press, push, press, push, jerk, um, mm -hmm you know, those kinds of variations. And so I do that with, with everybody that once you get in, that's what we do. Max effort is, uh, the greatest method of strength training. I mean, you recruit more muscle units and so that's, that's what we do. So we, we max out on, on Mondays, lower body Fridays on upper body. And then we have two days of dynamic effort, which is sub maximal weights at maximal velocity. Um, so we're, we're trying to teach you on dynamic days, how to move fast. Uh, you, you're trying to recruit more muscle fibers. It's not making you stronger, but it's making you, it's, it's building like a, a, uh, like a pavel. It kind of calls it like greasing the groove, right? Yeah, like you're yeah. doing it and you're kind of like, so, you know, dynamic effort, upward body day, we're doing, um, bench press reps. And it's like, well, if you're doing 40% plus bands, you're, you're, you're moving like 65% of your one rep max and you're doing it as fast as you possibly can. And it's just teaching you to, to, to move the bar in, in, a, in a fashion that allows you to build a movement pattern. That's good. So when you max out, then you have that movement pattern, you know how to bench press. And it also does like a lot of muscle hypertrophy and it, it does a lot of things that, that really yeah. helps you out. So, um, to, to kind of get back to your question as far as like hard days with conditioning, 
I mean, I really, if, if I had my way, we would probably do two or three hard days in a week and that's it for conditioning. Yeah. yeah. And, and, but, but people don't, people, people don't read books <laughs> and, and they, they come to me and they, they're like, dude, I'm not sweating hard enough. I must not have worked out. Yeah. And if you're measuring your workout by sweat, you're not doing it right. I mean, uh, I can get, if, if we're doing dynamic effort day, right. We're moving from like bench press. I'll use that to an accessory. And then if we pair three or four other accessories and we kind of make like a giant set, like, um, um, I can't think of his name. He's a big fan of, uh, giant sets. He passed. I forget his name. He's a, it'll come to me later anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but so he does giant sets and then you move through and it's like, you get a big pump and in that pump you've like, if you were wearing a heart rate monitor, your heart rate would be up in, in the working zone and you'd be, you know, probably 130 to 150 beats per minute. Yeah. And so you're training your heart rate and you're getting this, this, this hypertrophy work or we're, we're targeting lagging muscle groups and, and then we're out. And then, you know, next day we can come in and maybe we can do a harder Metcon, but yeah. most people, if we're looking at adults have enough stress it is, as it is, they don't need more hard workouts. Yeah. Um, they, have you read, uh, have you read Pavel's new book or heard any of it? Um, uh, I it's called, it's like the fast and the wild. I forget what it is, but, uh, I mean, this whole thing throughout the book is like four sets of five with two minute breaks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, it's hard to argue with the guy. He's got yeah. a lot of results. Um, yeah. I haven't read that book. I've got all of his like naked warrior yeah. Uh, yeah. beyond the kettlebell or whatever. And I've read all those books. I'm a, I'm a big reader. So, and it's, uh, a, it's just a hard sell to the, the client. And I mean, I guess, yeah, your experience and obviously results are really got to hold hold value, but especially for that new person who's maybe trying to lose weight or whatnot, they just, they just don't get it. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, a, a never ending battle. Yeah. My, my job is to then tell them, Hey, this is how you're going to get the results. You need to do two to three days hard probably. Yeah. And, and, and probably less honestly, but I can't probably get you to buy in to less than two or three days, super hard. And, and the problem is, is you have a bunch of people that are selling short-term fixes, um, and I won't name names, but these yeah. big franchises that that have you wearing a heart rate monitor and, and say that you should just crush yourself day in and day out. My, I'll tell you a quick story. My doctor, um, and I won't say her name, but my, my doctor, <laughs> my, my general practitioner doctor, yeah. trains at one of these places. I go to her and she's like, you know, I haven't lost one pound. I've been training there for eight months. I haven't lost one pound, but I'm, <laughs> I'm in the heart rate zone every single day. What am I doing wrong? Yeah. She's asking me in my physical. Yeah. And I say, well, <laughs> you're going way too hard. I mean, like your cortisol levels are, are super elevated. You're not recovering. You're not sleeping well. And I start going through all this checklist with her. And she's like, yeah, that describes me 100%. What do I need to do? And I was like, quit, quit training that hard. Yeah. Like strength train, get strong and, and, and do this. And she was like, well, but I'm not going to sweat as much. <laughs> Swear to God, yeah, this, is, yeah. this, is, this is my doctor. And I'm like, sweat isn't how you measure your workout. Yeah. And if it is, then you're doing it wrong. But, but I don't have a, you know, I didn't invest millions of dollars into my marketing scheme to tell people they need to be in this, this zone and be laying on the floor every day. Um, well, especially now with like the quarantine, you can just go on like social media and you'll get these six week body weight burnouts that say you're going to build massive muscle bulk and lose all this weight with just like a band and your body weight, which is just not real. No, I mean, uh, you're, you're going to be a cortisol junkie in six weeks, yeah. right? Like you're yeah, exactly. going to be addicted to that feeling, which I mean, uh, there's always going to be, and this is the thing. There's always going to be the outlier effect. The outlier effect is is one percent of the population or less is going to get results doing anything they do. Exactly. That, that's 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 Muggsy Bogues that played in the NBA. <laughs> the dude was five foot three, yeah. could dunk a basketball. Tell me some other player that's five foot three, could dunk a basketball. Yeah. You can't because there's there's one guy. There was one guy that did it, and uh, and he, he dunked. But but everybody will point to that guy. 
and then associate themselves with that one guy and think they're the 1% that can do whatever. It's, it's like a snowflake. Yeah. And, and instead of being like, dude, I, I would rather have, I'd rather do what the other 99% are doing and getting the results and, and say, well, yeah, I probably don't need to go as hard as, 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 as I think I do. I probably need to focus on strength training as a base. And yeah. if I do this right, I'm going to have a solid foundation that takes me into my 70s or 80s or 90s instead of I'm burnout and broken after eight weeks or nine, nine months even, you know, if, if you're, if you can't do your training program a year down the road because you're busted, that training program is shit. Yes. Yeah. It's a failed, failed program. Um, so if we get back into programming yeah, and I, this is a general question, but maybe we have like a few nuggets that we can discuss is if you're programming, maybe a program for like a weight loss client, let's say, a I don't know, a 37 year old who's trying to lose 10, 20 pounds yeah. versus maybe a 16 year old soccer player who's scrawny and trying to bulk up. What are some like big differences you have between those two programs? Do you do more of like the, the cardio base, maybe hit training with the weight loss person and more of the foundational power lifting with the, the youth athlete? How do you, what do you, differ between those two programs i mean it's going to be a boring answer but i yeah. i don't i don't really have to differ that much i mean we've yeah. had people lose a hundred pounds doing our general our general crossfit class a hundred yeah. pounds and i've taken kids from freshmen in high school that are now seniors in college at a division one school and you know i think greg glassman had like a super yeah. A super good quote. Um, um, I forget. Uh, you know, he's like, our understanding is the needs of an Olympic athlete and our grandparents differ by degree, not kind. And, yeah. and really, that, that's 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 true. Um, it, it doesn't have to be crazy. If you want to lose 100 pounds or, or the 37-year-old that wants to lose 20 or 30 pounds yeah. – I might have you do, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I would have you do, I mean, maybe, maybe more conditioning, maybe one day a week you do more conditioning than the 16 year old that wants to gain weight for the 16 year old that wants to gain weight. I'm going to do more accessories for hypertrophy. Cause I'm going to try to put weight on them. Yeah. I'm going to do a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff to target muscle growth. So they're going to do more accessories in the like eight to 12 range that builds hypertrophy um, and, and maybe some banded burnout sets. So they like feel muscle pump and for the adult, maybe I'm going to do, but I mean, we can do a lot of work dragging a sled. People hate that sled. I love that sled. I, if, if I had it my way, we would drag sled three times a week because if we look at risk and reward, yeah, very, very low risk, super high reward. I agree. Uh, so almost like another way to say what you're saying is like the training is indifferent. It's almost like what you're doing when you're not training. So like the nutritional side, the, you know, yeah. are you running for exercise outside of it or are you actually playing soccer or whatever the scenario yeah, is? Yeah, yeah. I mean like the 16 yeah. year old that's playing soccer all the time. I mean, yeah. we need to up his or her caloric intake a ton, right? Yeah. Like we're going to have to figure out and, uh, figure out what they need to do to, to, to make that. Most most kids that that I I've worked with that need to gain a ton of weight don't like to eat. Yeah. And and most people that need to lose weight they love to eat. <laughs> and, and you know and it's yeah. and it's it's I mean it's almost as that simple. And and they eat every I have I, I don't, I'll tell you I, I've never met anybody that comes into my gym that's like I eat terrible. Yeah. Okay. Everybody tells me they eat well. Well, that, that, that can't be, that can't be the truth. If you, you're a hundred pounds overweight, <laughs> it, it cannot be the truth. Yeah. So you, you need to figure out what it is, whether you want my help or you want to hire another company and, and, and hire a nutrition to do it. But what you're eating isn't well. And I mean, probably the number one thing I see people do that come in adult wise is they're drinking calories. Yeah. 
they're on they're on soda or diet soda, which is even worse than the original soda. Yep, sugary lattes. Yep, and yep. And, and and they're drinking their coffee not black, and yeah. and so you're you're not eating well if or or you're substituting with a bunch of garbage, soy and a bunch of yeah. other shit. That's that's it, I mean it's it's hurting your goals, but I, I mean. And then yeah. for the the youth athlete, it's the trick is you got to eat often, and then eating healthy often is is not easy. Yeah, I mean, you can get away with a lot when you're 16. Eating. Yeah, I mean, I remember playing uh, high school football, and I would go home and I would eat four uh, chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> I would drink a Dr Pepper. Yeah. Um, I would eat dinner, obviously, and then I would play a football game. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, that's just how I rolled. I weighed, you know, I, I graduated high school at like 175 pounds at five, nine. Yeah. Um, you, you know, I think, I think you just have to eat more often. You have to be willing to eat a little bit more often. And, and I, I have a kid that I'm working with right now that's, yeah. that's 15 and, and I tell him to set an alarm. His alarm goes off every three hours when he's awake, he's got to put something in his mouth. Yeah. And pro- protein, like fat, and carb. Pair them yep. together. I don't care. The quantity is up to you, but it's got to go in. Yeah, I like that. And and, and he's gained uh, he's gained uh, he's gaining about a pound a week. Oh, that's awesome. So it's it's working. Um, so back to the the programming stuff. Do you yeah. have any measures that you use for maybe a, a competitive CrossFit athlete to a weight loss client? Are you using the lifts as your objective measure, like you were deadlifting X and now you're doing Y are you doing BMI? Are you doing vert jump? Are you, what are you doing is maybe tracking progress. So you and the client can see the gains that you're getting. I think the best way to track measure fitness is by utilizing what the client or the athlete values. Yeah. So, um, for some people, they're going to want to measure, you know, their strengths. Uh, some people are going to want to measure their BMI. And so we, we use an in-body. Um, so we're great for, like, weight loss. Yeah. Uh, for athletes, a lot of times we can do it with a box squat or sumo deadlift or bench press. Um, and then, uh, you know, you have the people that, like, they, they have a test that they have to take, like military folks. Yep. You know, so they got a, the PT score or PFT or whatever they're calling it these days. Yeah. But measure with what your athlete or your, your client wants it, it values. Ask them, hey, what, 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 how do I know if I'm successful with you? What they tell you is how you should measure it. Yeah. Well, my pants fit better. Okay, well, we're going to measure it on your pant size then. Yeah, I like it. So then do you use any sort of body weight ratio or are you just using them as their gold standard? Like if you're box squatting, like do you say, hey, I'd love you to at least get to body weight or 1.5 body weight or you just go, this is where we're at and kind of track it from there? Uh, Louis Simmons says this quote and, and yeah. so I'll give credit to him and he's like, you can never be too strong, too fast or too beautiful. So, <laughs> I, I, or too rich. I think he yeah. uses rich too. So it's like uh, – Really, I tell people it's like, well, as soon as you squat body weight, um, you're gonna want one and a half, and as yeah. soon as you got one and a half, you're gonna do two. Um, I I don't I don't try to limit anybody. I mean, I don't yeah. think. I mean, you need to be strong enough to move your body mass through space, and uh, to do that, you need to gain strength. But I, I'm not gonna limit it, or I'm not gonna put a yeah. mark on it. I just. Yeah. I don't, I don't like arbitrary numbers to be honest with you. I, I like, I don't like one times body weight squat for you might not be enough, but for Johnny, it might be, might be plenty, you know, for yeah. it, So to and say the, that everybody needs it is, is probably not on the right path, at least in my opinion. So I just tell people like, what do you value? Let's measure it against what you value. And then uh, let's keep track of it. Like let's set goals. Let's let's do like smart goals or something. And uh, and then let's let's keep track of what you value, and then we'll go from there. Yeah. So I mean, everybody's different, right? So if yeah. I have a six foot ten basketball player with ginormous lever arms, he's not going to be back squatting as much as a five foot seven wrestler. No. Uh, yeah. Nope. So yeah, the body weight ratio can be a little tricky. Yeah. So then, if you have somebody who's like peaking, let's just say whatever they're 
you know, building hypertrophy, they're just killed in their workouts. What do you cue or teach or converse in regards to like recovery? Like, do you use percussion tools or compression boots or any sort of modalities? Are you like a, a yoga person when you're not working out? I want you to do an X, Y, or Z, or what's your kind of recovery spiel? Um, I tell people that they should use every recovery method possible. So <laughs> contrast baths, e-stem, yeah. compression, massage, chiropractic, yeah. physical therapy. Yeah. Um, I think everybody's going to be different. Um, you know, I, I like dry needling. I'm a, I'm yeah. a big fan of dry needling for yeah. recovery. Um, I'm, I love compression boots. I love contrast baths. I mean, I, I love to get a massage. Um, I go see a chiropractor. So I try to do everything. Yeah. You, you can't do everything all the time because you don't, you know, you, the recovery methods can't be too much, but everybody's going to be different. Like yoga to me is, doesn't work. You, like I'm, I'm not going to, but I have athletes. I have a, I have a BMX gal. She's, yeah. she's a college BMX. She, she says she loves yoga. So I'm like, awesome. Do yoga. Yeah. I think the thing is you just can't do the same thing over and over and over and over again. So if you're massage gunning your leg four times a day and thinking it's going to still be doing benefit for you two weeks later, you're, you're missing the boat. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like, I mean, eventually everything works for a while. Nothing works yeah. forever. Yeah. But if it works for a while, you can come back to it later. Agreed. Yeah. So, so rotate, R rotate. Uh, I, I just think people, People love to get into a routine and they love to settle and just be like, Oh, on Wednesdays, I'm going to go to yoga. Okay. <laughs> well, for a year doing uh, 52 weeks of doing yoga on Wednesdays, it probably isn't helping you as much as going and getting a massage once every three weeks would at this point. Yeah. But, yeah. but they settle into a routine. They get, they get into this, this pattern and they, they, they won't do it. And, I think you got to break it. You got to do like a conjugate approach on, on recovery just yeah. as you would for training. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and well you're going to see better results. So, all right. So let's get, let's start to get specific. So we kind of briefly brought it up, but you and I see this trend of just, we'll call it posterior chain weakness from lumbar to glutes to hamstrings. You know, these are the people who say, Oh, my hamstrings are chronically tight. They stretch yeah. their hamstrings every day. There's no change on and off low back pain for years on end. Yeah. Um, where do you start with your, your maybe assessment or even your introductory training exercises for the, the posterior chain? I just, I feel like if I assume, which is bad because I always say, ask you me yeah. for a, a, a assume, but everyone I see does not have enough strength in their posterior chain. So if I start there, I just say, Hey, I know it's weak. And, and it could be imbalanced and weak, you know, like strong hamstrings, which you see every once in a while yeah. and weak glutes yep. or weak low back. But for the most part, everybody's weak in their backside. They don't see it. They don't work it. They don't do it. I mean, uh, uh, Brett Contreras is, is, yeah. is kind of like pushing a lot of glute stuff. So that I, I am seeing some adults come in. They're like, dude, I love booty by Brett. And I'm like, <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So do I. Yeah. yeah. Hammer that. Yeah. But if you assume it, that everybody's weak in, in their backside and, and you start focusing on that on, on Mondays and Thursdays at my gym, I mean, we hammer, we hammer the hamstrings, glutes, the low back, yeah. because like you said, everybody comes in, you know, that says, Oh, I got a bad back. You don't have a bad back. You got a weak low back. Exactly. You know, you got weak glutes. Yeah. Um, and so, if we start there with the premise that we're probably underdeveloped in that area and we start focusing on that from the start, I think we're going to be better off. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why people can hip thrust 300 pounds, but they struggle to deadlift 125. Yep. <laughs> like, yep. do you, when do you go maybe isolated versus like compound movements for the posterior chain? Or do you ideally kind of mix all of that by that meaning, I don't know, a deadlift versus a, a Nordic or uh, I don't even know what the official name is, but like the hyperextension machine or. Yeah. Like a, like a hip, hip extension or a reverse yeah. hyper. So yeah. I think I follow the rules to conjugate, which is 20% barbell, 80% accessories. Okay. 
So 20% is going to be your compound lift, your box squat, your sumo deadlift. 80% yes. is going to be your accessories. Uh, and we're going to specifically target single joint exercises to build up hypertrophy in that muscle group. Or So if we did a sumo deadlift, maybe we're going to go do um, banded RDLs or yep. maybe we're going to do uh, Nordic hamstring curls, uh, like partner-assisted hamstring curls, Nordic yep. uh, you know, I have a, I have a, you know, I have a bunch of toys in my gym and so I can target them different ways. Um, and so, but I mean, you gotta, you gotta spend, if you spend 80% of the time working on those single joint exercises, you're going to have a lot less injuries and you're going to bring up weak areas faster. So, and I just feel, I mean, it's this way in the PT world, but people are just so, uh, one dimensional where there's a group that just says, all you do is functional and isolated stuff's BS. And then there's another group that just says, if you don't isolate, you'll never carry it over to function. And it's just that blend, I think is the way you're saying it. You gotta do a yeah, little yeah. bit of both. Yep. Yep. You gotta do it. You gotta do it both. Yeah. Uh, if you, I mean, uh, I think Eddie Cohen, you know, the power yeah. lifter, Eddie Cohen, yep. I mean, yep. he was a big fan of doing like, as far as I understand, like compound lifts primarily. Yeah, but there's a ton of guys that are really strong in powerlifting that love to do the accessories and yeah. not use a barbell. Yeah, I, I, I'm probably gonna go that Eddie's, you know, he's the the one percent, and yeah. <laughs> and uh, and everybody else probably needs to do more accessories. And I have a I have a personal training client. He, he calls him Jane Fondas. Yeah. He's like, oh, it's the Jane Fonda time. You're always making me do Jane Fondas. And I'm like, like, look, I've been training you for six years. You haven't got hurt one time. Yeah. And he's, and I'm like, it's the Jane Fondas. He's like, I don't like them though. I'm like, yeah, I understand. I, I don't really, I mean, honestly, if I was going to say, I don't like them either. I would much rather box squat and deadlift and, and bench press and press. But, you know, in his words, the Jane Fondas keep you healthy. Yeah, no one loves spinach, but you eat it because you know it's good for you. Yeah, uh, <laughs> make it a little bit better for you. Yeah, you know, throw some salt on it or yeah. whatever, and, yep. and and eat it. But yeah, you need to eat it. <laughs> um, so then, if we like pivot a little bit, so that's posterior chain, which I think is probably one of the most common things we see. We also also see like the the anterior chain issues. These are like the my my psoas is tight. Uh, my hip is impinged. Uh, yeah whatever, uh, you know, I get front of the hip pain when I'm running or I can't squat too deep because I just start to round my back and pinch. Um, where, where do you start with this or what are maybe some patterns you see with this? Like, do these people usually struggle with certain movements that you see and that's kind of where you start or how do you start attacking this, this group? Um, I have found that if they complain about their anterior chain, if I strengthen their posterior chain, their yeah. anterior chain issues go away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's not what people want to hear, but it's like you have tight hip flexors because you have overstretched hip flexors or you're seated all the time. Yep. And so you're kind of in this shit position. And uh, as soon as we start doing a bunch of like glute bridges and hamstring work and adductor work, so we're doing like or wide stance squats. Yep. All of a sudden, all their anterior chain issues go away. Um, I mean, you can do like I'm not like I think I think like the couch stretch. Like, like yep. that's a perfect example. People love the couch stretch. Okay, does it change it or is it a band aid? Yeah, band aid. <laughs> it's, it's a band aid. Yeah, you, you didn't you didn't it, it temporarily allowed you to train without pain. Okay, but and it didn't fix it. Yeah. And that's where I like some of the, the, the FRC stuff. I think it has its limits too, but at least you're learning how to control the motion versus just sitting there and holding a posture and thinking it's going to actually produce long-term changes. Um, yeah. yeah. And I think a way of what you're saying is, you know, if you activate one side, the other side's going to relax. Or if you activate the other side, you're doing mobility or lengthening of the other side. Yeah. So all it's fails, strengthen the posterior chain and the anterior chain will elongate. Um, what are some of your like hip mobility go-tos though? Couch stretch maybe, or are you doing 
or do you do like deep squats as the form of your hip mobility or how do you get those uh, hips? So if I have somebody box squat, like if we start out box squatting wide stance, tear, you know, pushing the floor apart and then like hamstring curling, not letting our knees go forward off the box squat. And you start, you set them up at parallel and then you just, or slightly above parallel. And then you just take a, a three quarter inch mat out. Yeah. You'll watch somebody's hips get more and more flexible. And, and all they're doing is squatting to a box. And yep. it's really, I mean, for people, you know, people do not, you know, think about this. It's like, think about sitting on the toilet with a wide stance. Now, when you go to get off the toilet, don't let your knees go in front of your ankle joint where, yep. you know, the little ball on your ankle, don't let your knees go in front of that, but push out and then get up out of that. And then tell me if you lowered your toilet, your hips don't get more flexible. Yeah. And so... I look at stuff like stretching is, is the band aid. Um, you need to have strength in that range and, and people have hip problems. They do everything close stance. And I think as soon as you start widening stuff out, you, you start having a lot less hip issues in my experience. I, I can't quote the, the article, but I know I've read it where they actually took two groups. One group did, they did some mobility measurements. One group did strength training for eight weeks. The other did mobility training for eight weeks. And the strength group actually got more mobile Yeah, because <laughs> they actually yeah. learned how to control their motion. Yeah, I think strength gets a bad rap for mobility when they just do the same things too hard too often and they're just overstressing their body. But if you strength train right, you should actually be more mobile after the fact. Yeah, I tell people all the time, I'm more flexible now. Yeah. Then with stronger hamstrings than I ever been. And I've been one of those people that had like big quads, not enough hamstring strength. Yeah. Always thought I had tight hamstrings, but my hamstrings were just weak. Yeah. I'm right in that group as yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So as we wrap up here, if you could like sit on top of your soapbox and give, well, maybe, maybe we'll do the coaches. If you could give, one tip to coaching or programming to just general the CrossFit population. What's like one thing you see people do wrong over and over again, or if you could just make a, a public service announcement, what would you, what would you say? I would say get strong first. Yeah. Um, I would say if you want to do conditioning and you want to base stuff on conditioning, do conditioning in a manner that, that does no harm. So yeah. You know, I think a lot of people are attracted to the sexy stuff, the power cleans, the power snatches in a Metcon yep. where it's like, you know, uh, the med ball clean gets a, gets a terrible, a terrible rap, but yeah. I, I've never seen anybody get hurt with it. <laughs> yeah. So, so if you're, you're addicted to the thought that your clients need to power clean, well, teach them how to med ball clean first, but I mean, that's why I have in my gym, I have 22 concept two rowers. I have 18 assault bikes because yeah. we can condition, we can condition with principles and I, I've never seen anybody get hurt on an assault bike. Yep. Assault bikes are I mean, brutal too. You get just yeah, I mean, conditioning. It, yeah. And so I use strength separate from conditioning for the most part. And we don't have people get hurt in my gym. Yeah. 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 Awesome. And, I, and I don't think it's not CrossFit. I, I, I think it is CrossFit because CrossFit is a general physical preparedness program. Yeah. So uh, I don't, I don't think it has to be the way that it's written on CrossFit.com. And I don't think it has to be the way that it was in 2010. I don't think it has to be the way it was 2017. Yeah. I think it, it can be this way. And if you're being smart about your training, CrossFit is no different than going to a strength conditioning coach or a coach that, you know, has a good understanding or a PT that's training you or, yep. you know, I, I think you got to use your brain and, and people, I think the last thing I'll say is, is as an individual going into a gym, you still have to be, you still have to have some kind of personal buy-in. You have to use your mind too. Yeah. I, I, I go to a, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu place and, and the professor's great, lived in Brazil, uh, Dennis Ash, and here in Ben Connection Rio. And he does a great job teaching us, 
but me in that environment, I still have to protect myself. Yeah. Be, be smart. Yeah. Be, be smart. If, yeah. if you don't know what your body, like the, the instructor doesn't know what's going on in your body. I don't know what's going on in your body. If you start feeling something that is weird, swallow your ego and take care of yourself first because this yeah. is a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. Yeah. And just, just pause, just pause, hit the brakes. <laughs> it's it's yeah. fine. It's a hundred percent fine. Yeah. Um, all right. So the, the last question that I ask everybody is the theme of the podcast is optimizing your capacity. What are you doing to, to improve yourself this year? Either family wise, fitness wise, career wise. I think, what I'm trying to do is I'm, I'm trying to do, I'm trying to do more of these things like podcasts, yeah. writing blogs, yeah. uh, trying to explain training in a way, because I agree with you. A lot of, a lot of people assume that because you know, you're a CrossFit coach, you, you don't know. I know that there are CrossFit coaches out there that, that, that understand what I, what I'm describing. Yes. And I, I, I know that there are people that are getting very shit training because they're like, Oh, I'm training with this guy. And, uh, you know, he had success, so he's going to be able to give me success. And that's not, that's not the case. So yeah. I, I got to, my job to optimize everything is to put out the information, to do the blog posts, to do the podcast, to do the stuff and, and tell people like, Hey, you should research this. Yeah. If, if they can't tell you why they're having you do something, then that's a problem. Yeah. Agreed. And so that, that's what I'm trying to focus on. And then my training, um, I had, uh, I got, I got, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of a bad, uh, um, a bad, a bad example, but like I, I had an injury that I kind of let manifest into this yeah. huge thing. And so I had surgery. So, uh, I got four screws in my foot now and stuff. And so I'm rehabbing and, and trying to like build myself back up from, from basically the bottom. I was on the couch yeah. for like 21 days and my foot elevated in, in yeah. February. So, um, you know, I just being smart about my training and, and take my own advice and not like jump into super heavy weights, yeah. you know, and, and take a minute and think of it as a marathon and, and know that I need to build up the base again and not, not just jump into it four months later, like right back to where I was. Yeah. We've all been there. We've all been injured and realized we're our own worst clients at times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, even coaches, even coaches need coaches. Yeah. Kind of like, Oh dude, I don't think that's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if people want to like see where you're at or read some of your blogs and things like that, how do they, how do they follow you? How do they find you? Uh, so it's Oregon CrossFit is my gym. OC sports performance, um, yep. is my, my kids, uh, training, um, my email is Sean at Oregon CrossFit.com. Um, okay. I do, I do, a, a, a blog, uh, one, I've been trying to do it every week. Uh, so answer my questions. So people send me in questions that I've done, um, either by, uh, by blog or by, uh, video log. I've done a couple yeah. of these now. And so just trying to answer people's questions. So if you've got questions regarding training, I'd love to answer, I'd love to help people out and, uh, keep everybody healthy and get strong. So cool. Cool. Um, what appreciate the time. That was great. So, uh, we'll have to talk more in the future and yeah, again, thanks for making the time. Yeah. Yeah. Th thanks for having me. I really, really enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, let's do it again. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey everyone. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Our goal is to help individuals like you learn practical knowledge you can apply today. If you want more information about how you can improve your capacity, visit our website at capacitypt.com. We have tons of info, including blogs, exercise videos, ebooks, and more. We're soon to offer services such as mentorship for clinicians and trainers, as well as online rehab and training. Stay tuned. If you liked this episode, it would mean the world to us to leave a review. Again, our goal is to help and influence as many people as possible, and the best way to do that is through word of mouth. Leave us a review, tell your friends about it, shoot us an email with your feedback. We wish everybody the best. Expand your capacity.